0: Your Money Today, Carolyn Wright finds out what some of the jargon we use all the time on this show actually means, just in case you aren't sure. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. I'm joined again today by Stephanie Wen, who's the head of Hong Kong at Endowis, to start a new series of chats delving into some of the jargon you regularly hear on this show, but not everybody is totally familiar with. Thanks for coming in again, Stephanie. Thank you, Carolyn. Hi, everyone. Let's kick off today's episode with some key macroeconomic terms. And of course, recession is one of the words we have heard all the time this year. But there is a technical definition
1: of what a recession is, isn't there? So can you explain it for us? I think we always hear a lot about recession on the news. But what exactly is recession? There is a technical threshold in terms of when economists say, OK, a economy goes into recession and that. That means the economy consecutively for two quarters, the GDP contracts. But sometimes, because it's just two quarters, two quarters is six months. For an average person, you might not feel that it is in recession because minus 0.0% could also be a decline. So there is also a more widespread when people feel that it's recession, then you have to look into other indicators, whether it's the labor markets, the GDP, retail sales, they're all in significant declines. Then for an average person, that's when you feel that there is a recession. And I think some of the recessions for a Hong Kong person that we feel still in memory probably 1997, the Asian financial crisis, SAR or even the GFC those are real recessions that we have in mind but don't know if we recall last year when COVID first hit we actually did fall into a technical recession but we quickly rebounded but on a technical sort of aspect we did fall into recession but it didn't feel as strong as the other ones that I've mentioned.
0: So that's quite interesting, isn't it, actually, that you don't necessarily feel the same? You may be in a recession, but the economic hardship you might face might not be as difficult each time. And of course, they last different amounts of time. And I think this one has just been the longest recession coming, that <laughs> people have been talking about it forever and ever. <laughs> Yes, we're still waiting for it. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't know whether it'll ever actually happen. Now, one of the other things we've been talking about an awful lot this year is about central banks raising rates in an attempt to calm inflation. So let's have a look at that relationship between interest rates and inflation. How does it work and
1: and what do people need to understand? The logic behind why central banks would be raising interest rates is that they want to raise interest rates, essentially the borrowing costs for a the whole economy. For us, I'm sure all of us look at our mortgage bills and realize it's gone up a lot. For businesses, their borrowing cost has gone a lot. They need to rethink whether they do expand their businesses because it's now costing a lot for their capex. The logic behind why central banks would want to raise interest rates, it's because borrowing cost has gone up, then maybe it will slow economy slightly because it now takes a lot more for businesses to consider expansion is not cheap money that they can just borrow very easily. So they hope that by raising the interest rates, you would then be able to slow the economy and re-collaborate the supply and demand in the economy to bring prices back down. Because when you raise the interest rates and economic activity slows down, you expect demand to come down. So we would think twice of borrowing a lot from our credit cards, etc. Then you might bring the economy back to equilibrium. And hopefully then it will slow the economy and bring prices back down.
0: I think a lot of people have a negative connotation to raise interest rates. But it can be beneficial to those who want to save, right? I think we forget about that quite a lot.
1: In my sort of own memory, I really don't recall the last time banking uh, time deposit rates could offer as high as 5-6% that we're seeing on the street. So it's quite interesting times for a lot of what I call savvy yield hunters in Hong Kong. Uh, a lot of people now realising because of the high interest rates, you could potentially get more interest for your savings. As you mentioned, there are now higher interest yielding instruments. If you don't want your savings be locked up in a fixed deposit, there are other more options with liquidity that you can consider, whether it's a money market fund or other options or uh, fixed income funds. But as I mentioned uh, time and time again on my series on this segment, is that you really need to think about what is your objective, what is the objective of this pot of money, whether it's your liquidity needs, whether it's long-term investing or this is part of money for monthly cash flow obligations. And you recalibrate based on these type of different environments that are in to make sure your own personal balance sheet works well. One of the key factors there you might be alluding to is the idea that you might want to pay
0: down debts if that is possible, if you've got any spare cash while the interest rates are rising.
1: Potentially. So I think it's really important. uh, And I know summer's Uh, sort of ending and for those who have kids, kids are back in school maybe it is time to rethink about our personal finances and recalibrate based on sort of very different environments compared to last year or 18 months ago. I think if you asked me 18 months ago, I wouldn't have imagined 5% fixed deposit rates. But on the flip side, as we said, right, 5% also equates to what you might have to pay for liabilities. So these are all things that we should consider.
0: Now, I think you mentioned a little bit earlier, a little bit about what this kind of environment means for businesses. But I'd also like to take a little bit more of a look at what happens to people's pockets. When we talk Talk about inflation. This is the price of day-to-day goods, isn't it? So a lot of us are probably seeing the cost of your basket of groceries increasing quite a lot. How long might that go on for, you know, and what should people be bearing in mind around that? Are, Are these efforts, when we see the interest rates going up, are we likely to see the prices of our grocery bills or our fuel bills coming down
1: anytime soon? The hope is that central banks ultimately are successful in terms of their fight against inflation, that inflation either stop increasing or ultimately declines. But no one has a crystal ball. We don't know how long it's going to last. It's always good to make sure you have a liquidity pocket to make sure that um, you have some buffer for your own expenses. So On a day-to-day, as an average person, I think in a high-inflation environment, it is important to review your expenses as well to see if you have factored in the, the extra 5%, extra 10% that goods are, are costing more these days.
0: One other term that I've heard mentioned quite a few times on uh, Money Talk recently is stagflation and people suggesting that the US could be headed for a period of stagflation rather
1: than recession. What's that? That's a term that's also been thrown around a lot in the, actually not recently, in in the past two years. So stagflation actually just means you have the worst of both worlds. You have high inflation and you also have subdued economic activity. Um, but fortunately, the scenario which we see And looking back in history, I think the only point in time that stagflation was really apparent was in the 1970s. There were quite a few reasons that contributed to that, and a lot of people attribute it to the oil crisis back in the 70s. I think right now, we're still not yet entering into stagflation. So in the US, interestingly, economic activity seems to stay healthy despite all of us continuously hear whether that's going to be recession, there's going to be a soft lending. So we'll continue to monitor and see if the Fed indeed can engineer a really precise lending, hopefully a soft one, if any. And we look closer to, to home, right? In China, we're actually not seeing price increases. We hear a price deflation, actually. And so it's quite interesting. I think the stagflation term's been thrown around, but I think right 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 now, we don't see any concrete evidence that any parts of the world is really entering stagflation at the moment.
0: Well one point to mention is that unlike recession there isn't a technical definition is there a stagflation it's just that combination of circumstances you already mentioned there.
1: Correct there isn't technical definition like what I mentioned for a recession I think it it is just a nice term to float around right stagflation it just sounds very interesting but um, there is no technical definition but I'm, I'm sure if we see a sustained period of high prices and low economic activity then we'll see the stagflation term uh, being thrown around again.
0: Thank you for explaining all of that. And we'll move on to some more jargon next week with Stephanie Yuen, head of Hong Kong and Dowus. Thank you, Carolyn. <laughs>